my connection has been Matt, obviously, here, and it goes back, as he said, 10 years ago to Bible quizzing. And I just have to say that my first encounter with Matt was, so we were at a tournament, and we got some quizzing, and one of the quiz masters came up to me, and was like, hey, that's awesome, we're glad you guys are a new team joining the Bible quiz community, and you got to look up this guy that does podcasts on Bible quizzing. He's got this website, BibleQuizzer.net. Mm. Uh, he's got these podcasts. And you can find him on Twitter. Look him up on Twitter. His handle name is Ask the Fat Man. <laughs> that was my first introduction to Matt. Ask the Fat Man. And if you communicate with it at all, you know that's also his email address. Ask the Fat Man at gmail.com. So uh, that's how I got introduced to Matt. It's, it's been awesome. No, I'm him thankful for him allowing us this opportunity to pass for Travis as well. Uh, we're going to look here at the parable of the sower that was just read this minute. Uh, before we get into that, I don't know how many of you are proficient social media users. Uh, I actually did some research and found out that as of January, Facebook is still the top social media site. As far as active users, that surprised me. I thought maybe Instagram had eclipsed it, but Instagram and Twitter are close on the heels of Facebook. Um, but Facebook is still the top, and if you've kept up with social media much at all, or even the news, you know that there is a new social media that is kind of taking the younger generation by storm. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? TikTok. Yes, TikTok. Uh, if you're not familiar, it's a video sharing platform where you can share about 30 second clips. Um, sometimes there's music attached, sometimes it's an educational forum, a lot of entertainment. Uh, but recently there's been a man that has grown quite a following on TikTok, and his name is Abraham Piper. Now, if I say the name Piper, you probably recognize that name from um, a popular preacher and theologian, John Piper. And I don't know what you think about when I say the name John Piper. It's probably, you know, some things you agree with, some things you don't. But just for some context, the New York Times two weeks ago referred to John Piper <coughs> as the most famous and influential Christian in America. <laughs> and his son, Abraham, is on, top, is on TikTok, and he's gained a following by actually bashing Christianity. <laughs> In one of his recent videos, he calls evangelicalism a destructive and narrow-minded worldview. He tells his followers, if you just want to roll your eyes at how weird Christianity is, that's what I'm here for. Follow me here. He refers to the youth group mission strips as, and I don't even understand this, but he refers to it as a white savior's evangelical vacation that other people pay for. Yeah. Uh, he goes on to make fun of parents that had their kids read the Bible, and he jokes about the existence of God. This is the son of the most influential Christian in America? How does something like that happen? And the fact is, you've probably seen examples like this yourself, haven't you? In fact, you might have even seen it from two kids that grew up in the same family. They have the same parents, they're under the same preaching and teaching. They're in the same school. They grow up in the same environment. And one goes on to serve the Lord and love the Lord. And the other one ends up not wanting anything to do with the Lord. How does something like that happen? How do you explain that situation? 
Well, here in Matthew 13, Jesus draws our attention to one reason that is the case. And this is the parable of the sower. So we're going to start actually back in verse 1 and catch the story. Um, and starting in verse 1, you can see the same day when Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And I want us to go ahead and even in your mind, go ahead and put yourself in the story. We've got some pictures. We can put the first one up there. Um, this is actually the Sea of Galilee, and this is the very cove where um, some estimate that Jesus probably taught this parable. So here at verse 1, Jesus went out of the house, he sat by the seaside right here, and great multitudes were gathered unto him. Verse 2, great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. I want you to go ahead and picture yourself. You're coming onto the shore. It's getting crowded. More and more people are coming on the, store, on the shore. Jesus is out in front. It's getting so crowded that he goes ahead and he takes a boat and puts it out in that water there. And then he turns, verse 3, and starts speaking. So then he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And if you're standing there on the seashore there, you can actually look out. And you start to see some of the fields that Jesus is talking about. And maybe even as you're listening to Jesus speak, you're looking out those fields, and there's a sower out there in the fields. And he's got his leather uh, sack over his shoulder, and he's taking seed out, and he's throwing it out of the fields just like this. Verse 4, Jesus continues with the story. So as a sower... Uh, and when he sowed, verse 4, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. And if you look out one of those fields that are, that are next to you on the shore, you see a path that goes around the fields, and actually a path right through the middle. And this, this path is where the farmers would have walked. It's actually where people would walk to get from city to city. And so all the foot traffic on these paths would have trampled the ground down there. It would be very hard. And so as the sower is taking out of his leather bag and he's throwing out the seed, some of the seed is falling on that hard path. And it would just sit there on top. It wasn't tender enough for the seed to get down, so the bird would come and swoop it. Well, verse 5, the seed falls in more places. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth. And forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. Well, again, if you're looking over those fields, uh, you hear Jesus say stony places. So you're looking over there and you're expecting to see rocks and stones in the soil, but there's actually no rocks and stones in these types of fields. And so you're wondering, what, what's going on? Why, why is Jesus talking about stony ground, but I don't see any stones? Well, if we start to talk to some of the locals, we find out that actually in this soil, it was not stones that popped up. It was actually a bedrock of limestone that was about two to three inches beneath the soil. And so what would happen is the seed would get down into that soil and it would start to grow. The roots would start to grow, but they would hit that rock two to three inches below the soil. And verse six, what happens when it does that? When the sun was up, they were scorched because they had no roots and they withered away. Well, verse seven, we've got more bad news. We've got another type of soil that doesn't produce good fruit. Verse 7, some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. 
This also was good soil. The seed would fall in. It would try to grow. But there were so many weeds and there were so many thorns. And those weeds and those thorns would just overwhelm the good seed. And it would overpower the good seed. And the good seed had no room to grow. Well, this point you're starting to question, is there any hope for the seed? And the answer is yes. Verse 8. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. There is hope. There will be fruit. There is soil where the ground is soft. There is soil where the ground is deep. And it produces fruit. Not all of it at the same rate, right? I mean, some of it 30, some of it 60, and some of it is great amounts of fruit. But there is good ground. So, verse 8, we get here, this is, this is the end of the story that Jesus is telling. Now, what kind of story is this again? Do you remember what kind of story this is? It's a parable. Okay, so we know that when Jesus tells parables, a parable is a story with a spiritual lesson. So we get to verse 8, Jesus is done telling the story, it's time for the lesson, right? It's time for the principle. We're expecting that. We get to verse 9, but what does Jesus say in verse 9? Who has the ears to hear? Let him hear. Uh, wait a second. Jesus? Jesus is just like saying, if you can understand it, understand it. What do you mean? What's this story supposed to mean? People are confused. Jesus doesn't give the answer. And you can see in the next verse, even the disciples are confused. And they start asking Jesus questions. And this is where we're going to jump down to verse 18. And we're going to hear the interpretation of Jesus and the explanation and how it applies to us spiritually. In order to do that, um, we do need to make a few observations right at the beginning here. In this story, there's three components. We have the sower, the seed, and the soil. What are those three things spiritually? What is Jesus trying to refer to these things spiritually? And first of all, I, I have this on the screen of slides if you want to progress with you. Um, the sower, the seed, and the soil. One more. Yes. Um, first of all, the first thing we can take note of is that the sower is Jesus. The sower is Jesus. He is the one in this passage that is sowing the seed in the surrounding context. He's sowing the seed. Well, what is the seed that he's sowing? Look at verse 18 and 19, and we see what the seed is. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the what? You see what it says? The word. Yes, the word of the kingdom. Look at verse 20. But he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word. 22. He also that received seed among the thorns, as he that heareth the word. The care of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word. He becometh unfruitful. Verse 23, we see it in there. But he that received the seed into good ground, is he that heareth the word. So in the immediate context, the sower represents who? Jesus. Jesus. And the seed represents what? The word of God. Word of God. And this is, a, this is an important observation for us to make right at the beginning here. You can have the best of preachers, Jesus, mm -hmm. preaching the best of messages, the word of God. And you can have people who sit under that ministry with unfruitful lives. Amen. You can have the best preacher, Jesus, preaching the best message, the Word of God, and you have people who are unchanged. So what is the problem? The problem can't be the sower here. It's Jesus. The problem can't be the Word of God. It's infallible. That leaves us with one, with one thing. What is the problem? 
The soil, the condition of the soil is going to determine the fruitfulness. And what is the soil? Jesus points to it in verse 19. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, and catch away that which was sown, where? In his heart. The soil is the heart of man. And it is the condition of man's heart that will limit or prevent the faithful teaching and preaching from the word of God to produce fruit. It is, it is the soil of man's heart, the condition of man's heart. So if we want to advance the slides, there's a couple a couple in here, and we're going to see four types of hearts. Four types of hearts that we illustrated. First of all, first type of heart, if you're taking notes, is the wayside. And the next slide, the spiritual counterpart, is that this is a careless heart. This is a careless heart. Jesus, in verse 19, describes this type of person as someone who hears the word, but doesn't understand it. And the inability to understand here is not an intellectual matter. Jesus is saying that it's actually a heart matter. The inability to understand is a heart matter. Um, this is the type of hearer that can sit in a church service and can hear preaching and teaching and just still that. Someone who can sit under the Word of God and be bored. Someone who can sit in a song service and just kind of, you know, make your way through it. Someone who just kind of goes through the forms of Christianity and gets distracted and is careless with what they do with the Word of God. And this is the person I think, you know, there's probably some good stuff in the church, but kind of take it or leave it. This is the description of the wayside. And what is so dangerous about this type of, of heart is that what happens? If you have a take it or leave it attitude with the Word of God, look at the text here, verse 19. If you have this type of heart, then cometh the who? The wicked one, the devil. Mm -hmm. And what does the devil do? He takes away the seed. A careless, take it or leave it attitude towards the Word of God actually brings the devil just like those birds, and he takes the seed, and now any chance of growing. Any chance of producing fruit is gone because you've had to take it or leave an attitude towards the Word of God. There is a limit to, to, to your being to handle the Word of God and having that spirit. Well, secondly, another type of heart that would limit the fruitfulness in our lives is a superficial heart. And this is on the next slide. This type of soil, verse 20, is described... Do you remember what this is described as? Described as what? The, the stony. Yes, the stony place. And it had that bedrock underneath it. This type of hearer hears the word of God, and their initial reaction at the end of verse 20 is what? Joy. Yeah. They hear it, they start growing right away. It's like, ooh, God said it? This type of hearer has a genuine heart. They actually have a tender heart for the things of the Lord, but... It's only superficial, isn't it? It hits that bedrock underneath. And what happens when it hits that bedrock? And actually, uh, verse 21 tells us what that bedrock is. Verse 21, he has no root himself, but do it for a while. Here's the rock it hits. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he's offended. This type of year responds right away. Got a tender heart, is genuine, but 
this type of heart is not prepared to obey when it's going to cost us It's not prepared to obey when God's word says do something, God's will says do something, and it's not what they want to do. God's word and God's will and spiritual leadership in their life say go somewhere, and it's not what they want to do. This type of fear is genuine and tender. But when it's time to do something they don't want to do, or time to go somewhere they don't want to go, they stop. Why am I offended? And they produce a life that's shallow. And this is one. This is one of the. This is one of the biggest puzzles, right? And one of the biggest disappointments, especially in spiritual leadership. Someone's tender, and it looks like they're growing, and then all of a sudden their life is going this way, and God says, "I want you to go this way," and it proves to be a shallow heart and a shallow life. There is not a deep commitment to God, and yet it's unfruitful. Well, the third type of part, verse twenty-two that limits the fruitfulness of God is a preoccupied heart. A preoccupied heart. This type of soil appears to be free from the hardness or shallowness of the first two, but all throughout the territory are thorns. And these thorns have roots that go deep down in the soil. And they take all the life-giving resources, they take all the nutrients away. What are those thorns that Jesus is talking about? Verse 22, there's two occupations. He also that received the seed among the thorns, you see, they hear the word, but first of all, the care of this world. The care of this world shows out the word of God. And this care of the world, the, the Greek word has the idea of worries or anxieties. Uh, you know, there are certain things in life that we are afraid of missing out on. There are certain responsibilities that we feel like we have to do. We have to do this. And it's all consuming. But I don't know what it might be for you. Um, it could be work. It could be a job. It could be an endeavor to get that raise, to get that new position. It could be a relationship that becomes all consuming. A relationship that starts draining your time. For those of you in school, it could be grades. Unless you need to get good grades. But good grades can be a consuming factor. Uh, it could be for an athlete, it could be an athletic goal, it could be an achievement. And none of those things, job, relationships, school, athletics, none of those things are bad in and of themselves, are they? No. But when they become all-consuming, when they become, when they start draining your time and taking away from the ministry of the Word and your desire to serve the God and serve God, they take away from the fruitfulness that God's Word can have in Amen. The second danger to the end of verse 22 is riches. And what does it say? Not just riches, but it says the what of riches. The deceitfulness of riches. Right? So many people think, if I just had X amount of dollars, if I just had a certain amount of money, I wouldn't have anything to worry about. But you know what? Well, money can buy some pleasures. Can money buy true peace? No. You will never have enough to buy you peace. And that's why it's so deceitful. One heart and one life can only hold on to so many things. And an abundance of passions will end up robbing and choking out the impact of the word. And I would ask you this morning, what is your passion? What is draining your time? What is consuming you? Is your life full of thorns that's choking out the ministry of the word? The only type of heart 
verse 23, that produces fruitfulness is described as the good soil. Verse 23, you can see this type of soil hears, gives attention to understand, and then brings forth fruit. It acts upon the truth. This is the opposite of all the other parts. The good soil is a heart that's tender, unlike the careless heart. It is a heart that is deeply committed to God, unlike the superficial heart. It is a heart that is single-minded and pure from other pursuits. It is not preoccupied like the foreign ground. And as we conclude this morning, I think there are two, two main applications here, two main principles from this parable. The first one, the main driving one, is number one, you must tend to the condition of your heart. You must tend to the condition of your heart. You have to cultivate something in your heart, and you need God's grace to enable you to cultivate a soil in your heart that is tender, that is deeply committed to God, that is free from distractions. Just ask you this morning, are you easily distracted from spiritual realities? Do you just go through the motions of Christianity? Do you get bored? Do you zone out? Is God's word just kind of take it or leave it attitude with you? Or are you someone who's genuine, but not fully 100% committed to knowing God and following God? If it starts to get a little hard, if life starts to take a little direction that you don't like, then ah, I'm out. That's not where I want to go with my life. Are you someone who's tender, but you're immersed in the lifestyle of the world? You're consumed with the world's goals. You're consumed with the world's media. You're consumed with the pursuit for money and achievements. By God's grace and with His help, purpose to cultivate a heart that is tender and focused. One that soaks in all the nutrients from God's Word. One that has deep roots that are committed to God. And one that is purely concerned with knowing God and serving God with your life. That is a heart that will produce fruit to the glory of God. Amen. And that is the driving message of this passage right here. Tend to the condition of your heart. Get rid of everything else. Cultivate in your heart. Ask God for His grace. Pray, pray to Him for mercy. And cultivating your heart, one that is tender to the Word of God. But I think there's also a second lesson. And this one we can actually flip on its head a little bit, the whole way we've taken this passage. So far, we've taken this as the ministry that I'm receiving. But I think there's also a pertinent lesson here for ministers, for sowers. The second lesson is you must be faithful to spread the seed. Yes. Because Jesus says there's good ground. Jesus says there's good ground. The fruitfulness doesn't depend on the talent of the sower. It depends on the condition of the soil. The fruitfulness doesn't depend on the, on the talent of the sower. You might not think you have all the abilities to be a great orator. You might not think you have the personal relationship skills that needs to go to entice someone to, to hear the word of God. You don't need that. That's what God is saying here, is that uh, the sower is not the key here. The sower is not the key. The soil is, and God says, there's good soil. You know what? There's going to be people you minister to that are hard and unreceptive. 
there's going to be people you minister to who respond right away and it's, it's exciting for a little bit, and then they fall off. There's going to be people you minister to who have some tenderness, but they're just wrapped up in life. But God says there's going to be people that you're going to minister to that have good soil. The more you spread seed, the greater the opportunity there is for fruitfulness. The more you spread the seed, the more opportunity there is for fruitfulness. Be faithful, trust God to work, spread the seed everywhere you can. Take condition, take stock to the condition of your heart, tend to it. Be faithful to spread the seed, trust God. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? And in just a minute, we're going to finish the service by singing together. I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. Would you take just about 30 seconds here and commit your own heart to taking care of the condition of your soil? Repent for me, and as the same purpose to live for the Lord.